You know, I, I pick the hymns and Chris picks the worship music. I searched and searched the hymnal uh, to find hymns that speak about Jesus being the light of the world. As a matter of fact, I even, I, I, I was relatively unsuccessful. I even uh, searched all of the hymns for the word light and found a few. And then here comes Chris with all of these great songs that speak to us about Jesus being the light of the world. Thanks for, for choosing those, Chris. It's just a wonderful job there. Uh, we've looked at the portion of Scripture that we're going to be uh, thinking about where Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and he who follows me will have the light of life. And uh, we're going to just have a word of prayer before we begin. Jesus, thank you for coming into this world, bringing us the light, the light that brings eternal life for us. And Lord Jesus, I would pray today that as we think about that, that we might be able to compare that, that word light with darkness and, and uh, just see how great, how great a gift it is that you brought us life and light. Jesus, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Give me a usable gift to proclaim your word with all of the truth, the excitement, and the spiritual unction that your word deserves, and then open our hearts to your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and he who follows me will not have to walk in darkness. You know, as we think about that, uh, what a wonderful statement and promise that is. Um, I don't know if, you know, as we compare light, maybe it's good for us to think about physical light a little bit. And, and uh, what was it like before, you know, we have, we have tons of light bulbs in here. Before the light bulb was invented, and Thomas Edison kind of brought that about, and you know, there are light bulbs now, and we have fluorescent light and LED lights and, and all different kinds, but what was it like before we had wired our homes and, and things, and what would it be like if we were without light, the physical light? I mean, it affects us socially. Uh, we... we are able to meet together in worship. Uh, we, how many of you got up this morning before it got light out? How many of you are going to be up after the sun goes down? I, that's probably even more so on a day like today, right? You know, it's going to go down really early. But what would it be like if you didn't have a light in your house? And you couldn't meet together as a family except for maybe a candle that you were trying sparingly to uh, conserve the, the candles and, and, and oil in your lamps. It affects us in the places that we can go. Uh, we, we think also of, you know, even just travel. How many of you, when you get in your car, will some of the lights come on? In my car, the whole thing lights up in the front. You know, you turn it on. I'm used to driving uh, my RV that's a diesel, and now when I get in a car, I, I turn it on, and I just kind of sit there and think, okay, the wait light's going to go off here. Some of you that have driven diesels know what that's like, and you kind of have to get back over that. But even our travel, we go out at night, and we expect to be able to get in our cars and drive anywhere because of the light. 
We, we think about, I mean, it, it would affect our travel even if we were going on buses or trains or even in an airplane in an airport. Without this kind of light, things would be far different. It affects work, doesn't it? How many of you uh, remember uh, this man, uh, Bob Renicky? A, ha- a handful of you remember him. Uh, and I see even out in the, out in the uh, area out there, they're all waving their hands. Bob, he, I thought, he, when I moved to uh, Shakopee, he was in his 90s. And I thought, man, this guy is old. But um, he remarked at coffee one day that he remembered what it was like before they put in, he lived on a farm uh, in Lesur as a young boy, before they put in the, uh, he called it the REA pole. I knew what that meant, that rural electric uh, pole. And he said, it changed our lives totally. I mean, before they put in electricity at the farm, we'd have to carry out a lantern. We'd have to be so careful to make sure that it didn't catch on fire because the the barns could burn down. We know of stories of that. And now all of a sudden we have light in our barn and we can go out and milk at night. And and, uh, we even had a light bulb in our house and we could stay up at night. How many of you stay up at night far too late because you have light bulbs? Or lights in your phones or other things that you can... It's changed our life, hasn't it? And uh, as we think about all of that, um, we're mindful about how even the, the symbol for a bright idea is what? A light bulb. It's changed our existence to have light, physical light, in our world, hasn't it? But if you think that that changed our existence when when physical light became available, think about the difference of having the light of life spiritually when Jesus came into our world. Today we're going to to look and we're going to think about this in in three points. First of all, Jesus said, I am. He said then, I am the light of life. And then he said, he who follows me will not have to walk in darkness. What about I am? And I know that I talked about this this aspect or this term, I am. Um, It was probably about um, May when I was here. And I've just been uh, very much um, enthralled about this term I am. And I began as I read through the book of John counting the times that Jesus simply said, I am. Some people think about the the seven I am's of Jesus, but I counted at least 20, 25 of them. And um, what does that mean? When I say I am, I can say, well, I am a father. I can say I am a pastor. I can say I am a lot of things, and so can you. That's how we use the term. But how did the Jews... Use that term, I am. And we think back because they used it very specifically, differently than we do. We think all the way back to the time when uh, the Israelites were enslaved there in in Egypt and Moses had killed somebody and he ran out into the the wilderness. And here he was in the wilderness thinking, okay, I'm just going to live as a, a, a shepherd here in the desert forever. And all of a sudden there was a burning bush and God was talking to him through this bush. And he, God's saying, I want you to go and to talk to the Pharaoh and tell him to release my people. 
And uh, Moses is just saying, well, you know, how to, how, why would they even listen to me? Who, who should I tell them that uh, has sent me? You know, I would probably be doing the same thing. And God said to Moses, tell them that I am has sent you. That I am is the name of God. And for the Jewish people then after that, this term I am became very specific. It wasn't just like saying I am a pastor. It was saying the name of God. How many of you, um, when you're watching TV or when you're around people and they, they use the name of God in a way that probably is, is, is vain and probably not even calling on him and it just kind of uh, gives you a, a jolt in your, your spirit and So that's the way that it was for the Jews. They heard this word, I am, and if it was taken improperly, they considered it a, a, well, one of the Ten Commandments. Do not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And eventually it got to the point where they wouldn't even say it. And eventually got to the point where they wouldn't even write it, but substituted a name for it. Eventually, it got to the place where they would actually actually stone a person for using that name. And it was, it was biblical, Leviticus, and I'm just going to get here where I can read the verse for you. Uh, Levit- Leviticus 24.16, Anyone who blasphemes the name of the Lord must be put to death. The entire assembly must stone him, whether an alien or a native-born, when he blasphemes the name. He must be put to death. And and so taking this name I am or saying this name I am in an improper way meant that they would be be put to death. And according to Jewish tradition, it got to the place where only one time a year was it acceptable to say the name of God. And that was when the high priest on the Day of Atonement carried the blood into the Holy of Holies to make atonement for the nation. And he would use the name then. And they were so afraid that something would happen to that priest. He might uh, do something wrong. The tradition tells us that they put bells on, on his legs and a rope tied around him so that if God struck him dead while he was in there for doing something improper, they could at least pull him back out. It was a serious thing to meet before God. And it was a serious thing to take the name of the Lord in vain. And so here comes Jesus. I am meant something. And it used properly, it actually means I am God. And he used this name to denote something true about himself. He used it to denote that he was God. You know, there are a lot of people out there that, uh, well, well they, their, their church, and, and I live right next door to someone that they go to a church right here in town. It's, uh, they would consider it a, a Christian church, but they don't believe that Jesus was God. But did Jesus actually say that he was God? By taking this term, I am, that's exactly what he was saying. And many times he used it and he linked it to the attributes of God himself. First of all, it 
He came from heaven. If you have your Bibles open here to to John chapter 8, just take a look at verse 23. And here he says, You are from below, but I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. He was basically saying, I am God and I am from above and I am not of this world. I am God, I am not of this world. That's the way that they were using that term then. He talks about a little bit farther down in John chapter 8, verse 58, that he was eternal. He says, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was born, I am. I am God, I was before Abraham. And of course, Abraham was centuries and centuries before. The Jews understood what he was talking about. There in John 8, 58, it's simply as Jesus said, I, am the, I tell you the truth before Abraham was born, I am. At this they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus himself slipping away from the temple grounds. You see, they understood he was saying, I am God. And what were they doing? They were going to stone him for doing it. They understood what he was saying. And you know, the whole thing pops up again in two chapters from this one in John chapter 10, verse 33. And they said to Jesus, we're not stoning you for any of these, but for blasphemy because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Why then do you accuse me, Jesus said, of blasphemy? Because I am God's son. You can imagine how that must have irked these people because he's saying, I am, which means I am God. I am God's son. You know, there are those people that say, well, Jesus, he was a, he's a good teacher, but nothing more. But let me address this issue. If Jesus was a good teacher and he said that he was God and he was not God, he was not a good teacher. We move on to the, to the next point. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And uh, we think about light opposed to darkness. What is the difference of between light and darkness? And, and we think about physically, it helps us understand it a little bit more. Uh, darkness is really the absence of light, isn't it? Physically, when we turn off the lights in a room, it gets dark. You don't have to turn on the darkness it just, it's there. You just remove the light. I go into my uh, laundry room downstairs and it doesn't have a window and uh, it, it's totally dark in there. And I flip the switch and I, the light comes on and it's light. If I remove the light, the darkness overtakes it again. Spiritually, when Jesus, the light of the world, is missing from a situation or from a person's life, they are dark spiritually. Darkness and evil, is, it's just there naturally without him. Another aspect of darkness and light, uh, darkness cannot overpower light. Physically, uh, that's absolutely true. You turn on a light in a room and the darkness can't just come up and overpower it. The light is the powerful one. And spiritually, it's the same. When the light of the world comes into a situation, 
Darkness is unable to overpower it. John chapter 1 verse 5. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. We consider that comparison of light and dark, but I want you to think about this for a moment or two. Not only is Jesus the light of the world, but Jesus is the light in heaven eternally as well. Revelation 21 simply puts it this way, talking about heaven, it says, The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of the Lord gives light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. But the good news, the good news is the light of heaven didn't stay in heaven. Jesus came and entered our existence. And he says, I am the light of the world. What was life like before the coming of physical light? Let's think about that for a moment or two. Life before the light bulb, uh, it completely changed our life. And because you and I have lived, at least I have all of my life, with that electric light. Sometimes we have the tendency to forget what life would be like without it. And it's the same with the light of the world because we have lived our life totally after the coming of the light of the world. We have a tendency to forget what would life have been like without the light of Jesus. The world would be walking in darkness I remember one time, uh, this was in my first congregation. Some of you are going to say, well, that was a long time ago. Uh, the funeral home called, and, and they said, we have a family here that uh, doesn't have a church connection. Could you uh, meet with them? And uh, a younger member of their family uh, died suddenly, and, and they would like to have a funeral. And so I went to the house, and... I, I vaguely remember the house. The, there was maybe only one light bulb on. The people were all sitting around, and, and it just seemed like darkness there. They, they did not know Jesus. They didn't know anything about spiritual life. I remember the room was probably filled with smoke of different kinds of odors. Uh, I'm not going into <laughs> to all of that, but I sat and I talked with them, and then we had the funeral. They didn't want to have a funeral in the funeral home or at, at, the, at the church, so we had just a, a funeral at the, the graveside, and this family was so without hope that there at the, at the grave, some of them couldn't even stand. They were so crippled up, and they they had to have the person next to them hold them up because they were so distraught. Life without the life of Jesus. What is it like? It's tough, especially when it comes to eternity. We're living in the land of the shadow of death, aren't we? And we would be walking in darkness, but unto us a child has been born as Caden read for us Isaiah 9:2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. 
What would it be like to be in physical darkness? We'd stumble over things. We'd never find what we wanted. We'd never know where we were going, and constantly we'd be injuring ourselves and probably even falling over cliffs and crevices just because we didn't know where we were at. Spiritually, before the light of the world, that's the way things were. There was no way to know where you were going spiritually. And in the end, of course, it was just spiritual death. The light of the world has stepped into history, though. And we can know for sure where we are headed eternally. You see, Christianity is not just a myth or a fable. It is a fact of history. History that stands up to the searchlight of investigation. You can know where you are going when you allow Jesus to illuminate your life. Yes, we are living in the land of the shadow of death. And there is a dark shadow hanging over life. The shadow of death is there. But there is good news. Jesus has come. He came. And what is his message? He says, I am the light of the world. And whoever follows me will not have the shadow of death. But the light of life. Physical light brings life. Many of you know that I'm maybe a plant. uh, I don't know. I go over with plants. Do you remember at Faith I had all those plants up front? I don't know what happened to them when I left there. but Plants, what do they need? I, by the way, I even take my plants on vacation. Do any of you? <laughs> I, have, I have trees that I take out of my house and put in my RV because I want them to go along on vacation with me. A little crazy there. But, uh, but what do plants need? When I took those plants on vacation down in, in Florida, you know what I did when I got there? The first thing I did was put them outside where they got some light. And I'm wondering if now that they've got to be in the house here, they're going to be just kind of suffering. Light brings life because down from heaven that light comes and it exchanges the energy for life in plants. And the same is true spiritually. We live in the land of the shadow of death because of our sins against God and we deserve the penalty of death. But God himself, I am has come to give us the light of life. Jesus is life-giving. He came down from heaven to exchange his life and power for our darkness and death. Think of the symbolic way that God demonstrates this exchange. When Jesus gave up his life and light on the cross, darkness fell over the world. Let me just read that uh, portion there. From the sixth hour until the ninth hour, this is as Jesus is hanging on the cross. Darkness came over the whole land, and about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then a little bit farther down, when Jesus had cried out again with a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And at that moment, the curtain in the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. The tombs broke open and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs. And after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those who were with him, who were guarding Jesus, saw the earthquake and all that happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. He gave up his life and his light so that we could have peace with God. 
And at the very moment that he died, that temple curtain which kept us from entering in to the presence of God was ripped open from heavenward down to the earth so that we could have a relationship with God and enter into the Holy of Holies by our prayers and Jesus would listen. As I close today, I I just have to share with you one final thing. And that is, when did this happen? If we look in the surrounding text, we find that it was at the festival of the tabernacles, John chapter 7, verse 2. And in that uh, festival, there was a a ceremony called the uh, ceremony of illumination. And all of the people would meet in the temple court, and there you can see... Uh, and, and here's kind of an illustration of it. There in the temple court at night as the darkness came over and they would light large, large candelabras. And it was said that there was so much light from these candles as they were lifted up in the air that the blaze could be seen throughout Jerusalem in every courtyard in the city that was lit up with its brilliance. And at this point, Jesus is saying, I am the light of the world. You've seen the blaze in the temple illumination, piercing the darkness of the light. But I am the light of the world. For the one who lets me, there will be light. Not only for this one exciting night, but for their whole life. The light in the temple is a brilliant light, but in the end, it flickers and dies. But I will be for you the light which lasts forever and ever. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for coming into our existence, forgiving our sins, illuminating our lives and giving us hope and peace with God. Because of what you did on the cross and because you live, We can face tomorrow, for all fear is gone. We know who holds the future. And life is worth the living just because you live. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.